0: Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. And we are back today talking about our education series and especially talking about transition planning. So we are talking about college programs, and today I am so, so lucky to have two women from Think College which is part of the Institute for Community Inclusion here in Massachusetts, although they are certainly national in scope, Kate Weir and Deborah Hart. So what an incredible conversation. I learned so, so much. And I want to pass on to you some things that I didn't know. You know, I think that I am so incredibly knowledgeable, but I have to tell you one of the amazing things about doing this podcast selfishly for me is that I learn so much from my guests. Um, I mean, I've always learned so much from my clients. Honestly, uh, it's been great. It's a, such a reciprocal relationship and As much as I am able to navigate and guide them and create plans with them and continue to support them and their families through many of life's challenging moments, um, as our tagline says, you know, um, through all stages of life, however, the podcast has been um and circle of care too has been even more of an eye opener even more opening up to me uh, and the community as a uh just a channel for information and you know it's a blast it's just a blast so i can't you know tell you it, everything we talked about you're going to have to listen to the episode and i hope you will um, but here, besides talking about person-centered planning, which I always try to get in, uh, I was uh, really excited to discuss the national directory they have for college programs, of which there are over 100 approved college programs, approved transition programs now. And that is amazing. Um, But besides that, I knew about the Higher Education Opportunities Act that impacts students with intellectual disabilities. But, you know, I kind of never really paid much attention to it. What stood out in this conversation was the actual impact that it can have on a student who does not graduate with a diploma. And I guess I never paid attention to the fact that A student with an intellectual disability who has a non-standard diploma or a certificate of some sort, in other words, can actually get financial aid if they qualify. And previously, you would never be able to do that. So as long as they are attending an approved program, of which, you know, there are so many now in the beginning when this um, Higher Education Opportunities Act was established, there weren't that many programs, but now I never realized there are over a hundred now, just, you know, 12, 13 short years later with so many opportunities out there for students with intellectual disabilities there is an ability to be out there in so many different programs and continue learning and growing and to either audit or audit classes or learning for the fun of it for expanding your mind but also to attend non degree programs that provide opportunities for vocational skills etc so just so many things at this point, so many opportunities expanding one's world, really. And just this week, uh, one of my friends posted about her son who is well into his adult years and he learned a new skill. And this is just exactly what we're talking about because learning is on a different continuum for our folks learning is not it's not stagnant it doesn't stop at 18 or 21 or 22. yes government agencies yes you know state actors learning continues, growth continues, and we need to continue offering opportunities for our students to continue to learn and to continue to grow as human beings and and to acquire skills, but also to enjoy their lives as any other adult learner would. So this was just a fascinating, Awesome conversation that completely uplifted me. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It was, um, it just made my day and it's making my day again now that I'm doing the intro for it. So enjoy and, uh, please do share. Please send me your comments, your questions and Don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It is so meaningful to me when you do that. Tag me in your posts. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It gets the podcast out to people who really need this information and who are seeking it. And before I finish up here, I do want to just mention that no matter where you are in our country and even internationally, We do have a Circle of Care, which is our Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, it's free. Uh, We have well over 600 members now where we are doing a live event every other week and continuing our information sharing and support and passing along information um, as often as we can. So please jump on at specialneedscompanies.com. Request to join us, and we would love to see you there. Thank you. And here we go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. And we are continuing on with our education series. Today, I have Kate Weir and Deborah Hart from Think College, which is part of the Institute for Community Inclusion, one of my favorite favorite institutions here in Massachusetts. So we are continuing to talk about college readiness and also, you know, what comes next, you know, what's the next step for a student with a disability, um, somebody with learning differences, learning challenges. Everybody has different ways of thinking about this or looking at it. And, you know, we know we've talked about this language is powerful. Um, but no matter how you identify yourself or see yourself, the challenge is real. Right, ladies? I mean, the challenge is real. And so um, it, it just struck me as we were talking in our pre-interview, I loved what Deborah had to say, if you don't know, you can't go. So I want to lead off with that. You know, if you don't know, you can't go. So just tell me about ICI and the program first and foremost. You know, what is it all about?
1: Well, the Institute for Community Inclusion is a larger entity comprised of numerous teams across different content areas like employment, um, K-12. We happen to be education and transition. So we cover K-12. And um, probably till about age 26, 30, students are all ages mm-hmm. in higher education, but overall. Um, and we straddle because we're the education and transition team in particular think college is focused, one, on students with intellectual disability, two, on their ability to go to college. Mm-hmm to for their transition years, 18 to 22, as in Massachusetts or 21 um, for most of the rest of the country, uh, for dual enrollment or transition based programs, and the majority of programs are really targeting students who have left high school and are adults. So it's a, there's a little bit of a difference. There's two types of, of uh, programs. And I, I, I think that what we're seeing as the outcomes of students going, students with intellectual disabilities going to college is changing the, the whole scene for students and families who, who are dealing with more challenging uh, cognitive disability. And it's improving life satisfaction I mean, again, we have data for all of this, and we can get you some slides if you would like to see that. But also employment outcomes. The national average of long-term employment outcomes for students with ID hovers are between 17 and I don't know nineteen, 20 percent. We're seeing it in in the high 60s. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. and that's critical. And students are reporting like a significantly higher quality of life satisfaction. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you have more money if you're working and you can do more things. I, I'm being simplistic. Um, but, but it it's, so
0: seriously makes the difference between, you know, being at home or being in a secluded setting with no social interaction to being out in a job place with friends and peers and um, sort of a normalcy. I hate that word, normal, but, you know, a typical,
1: A typical college life that most students have if you've gone to college. But also a
0: traditional job experience will provide a, a traditional life experience as well that most people seek.
1: It sure seems to be aligned with that type of outcome. Kate, would you yeah. agree?
2: Absolutely.
1: Um,
2: I think that yeah, we the data show, and then just you know, students that we know, um, they want to go to college like like their friends, like their their brothers and sisters, uh, and so we're delighted that we can have a little part of making sure these opportunities exist around the country. Uh, You know, on our website, we list all the college options for students with intellectual disability that we know about, and we're constantly adding new options. Um, Today there's over 300, 312 to be exact, colleges and universities in the country uh, on our website that are talking about their program um, where they support students with intellectual disability.
1: Kate, tell people about um, the family's Facebook group.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. And a a lot of your audience might be interested to know that we have one of the things we do to try to do outreach because so important for us, like Deborah said, if you don't know, you can't go. So getting people to know about the options is one of our main uh, objectives. Uh, so one of the ways we try to do that is through Facebook and other social media, but we manage a Facebook group for families. Um, it's a closed group, and you just but you can join by just saying that you are um, the family member of a person with a disability who's interested in college, and we have families on there anywhere. Their kids are two years old all the way to 40, 50 years old, um, you know, looking at these options, and it's become such a really supportive community where... Although we manage it um, and sponsor it, most of the help is just parent to parent. Um, so it's really, really a lively community, where, I th- and I think it's really helpful to families. That's fantastic, because I think a lot
0: of times it's hard for a parent or a family member to actually imagine what's possible. And they right. don't know what's out there. And so we're not just expanding the creativity and the, you know, the planning possibilities for the person with the disability themselves. But we need to expand that planning possibility for the parent or caregiver, too. And that That's right. person-centered plan includes a lot of people that we have to raise awareness to. Mm-hmm.
1: So. That's that's fantastic. There, there's actually a number of um, videos, video clips, short. There's one that's 25 minutes, a documentary, I think is what we're calling it, um, that really walks someone view, who's viewing it through different aspects of going to college, from a uh, a brief like um, nutshell, you know, like what it means. To, Quickly and in, in students' words, um, I to think rethinking college trailer in particular is a, a really nice. It's four minutes and I don't know eleven seconds, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's very precise, Deborah. <laughs> it used to be that I'm. I, I don't think it is anymore, but that's irrelevant. To, uh, there's some nice um, public service announcements. Uh, there. There's some nice resources on thinkcollege.net N-E-T.
0: Isn't it true that um, what we're talking about here is not necessarily the traditional four-year bachelor's degree? And that right. there's a wide range of college experiences that you're that you're making available or that are available now um, mm-hmm. from you know in you know, a class that is not graded, you know, or mm-hmm. a just an experiential class, for example, um, or a program that is, you know, tailored to someone with a more profound disability to have a college experience mm-hmm. and all the way up to, you know, a more traditional college experience and everything in between. Where, you know, maybe even 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't have those opportunities, but there are more and more opportunities be- becoming available to us now, and
1: that's why we need to be talking about this. Well, I, I think the two, in 2008, when the Higher Education Opportunities Act was signed, for the very first time, it had students with intellectual disability included in the provisions uh, and carved out a section. That has um, funding, congressional funding, for a mm-hmm. model demonstration and the Think College National Coordinating Center, and we're just we're just entering. No, we have entered not just <laughs> our third round. So we've um, had each is for five years of funding, and there's a series of model demonstrations in each cohort. So there we're now in our third cohort. And there's Kate. How many? Twenty-two.
2: Right. The Department, U.S. Department of Education funds twenty currently twenty-two universities to do um, to to have model demonstration projects in these areas that you're talking about, Annette. To have to provide, um, to create opportunities for an inclusive college experience. Uh, But most commonly they are non-degree programs. Like you were mentioning, Annette, that um, they're not, uh, the typical, a lot of times when people first hear students with intellectual disability going to college, they think, well, I I can't imagine myself doing that or "I, I don't know that my son or daughter could really manage college because they think about it perhaps in a, in the more traditional way. But these programs have additional supports and they have those opportunities, like you were saying, to choose classes based on their interest, based on their person-centered plan. Um, and maybe they audit the class rather than taking it for credit. So those kinds of flexible options allow students to um, participate in college in a, in a real way, though. they They go to college, they live in the dorms, they go to college classes, Um, They participate in clubs and go to sporting events and all the things. It's a supported
1: education model, meaning Mm -hmm. there's additional supports than traditional um, college type of programs. So it's more than what disability services that are uh, under the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, available at most um, um, institutes of higher education This is adding additional support that really helps students meet with success based on their person-centered planning goals and those type of choices. Uh, So
0: a lot of people debate whether um, a student with a disability really has access based on, you know, variability at different institutes of higher education, and their disability supports. Um, But in a specialized program like this, you know, there's something unique being offered. Mm -hmm. How are students being, um, you know, how, how are they being really included? You know, inclusion is such a buzzword and in a lot of facets, Inclusion is really parallel and not true inclusion in Mm -hmm. many high schools, in many communities. You know, inclusion, it doesn't truly happen. So I really want to know and, you know, I want to hear from both of you. Is this really inclusion? Is it really happening? Are students really being integrated into the college experience?
1: I think you'll see a variety of different options within the the full range of programs, but you know, what feels good to say is that, yes, there are authentic programs where students are engaged in all aspects of college life, just as any other student who doesn't have a label on them as intellectual disability, and they, are supported to meet with success, whether it's in employment or socially, or, I mean, the whole deal with college life. If you think back to when you went to college, I'm making an assumption here. Um, I mean, it was, I kind of grew up, not really, but a little bit. Uh, I wish I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I learned I couldn't stay up and then be, you know, um, actually functioning for the class the next day. Uh, my first year in college, my uh, grade point average w- was um, very low, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was put on probation. And I, so I learned quickly, well, okay, there's things, th- there are things you cannot do and get away with. right. You just can't. Well, maybe some people could, I couldn't. So I had to learn what, you know, when I could party, what I could get away with and manage my time. But what a critical life skill. You know, I I really, I'd probably be still screwing up if I wasn't in college when I was. It really made me grow up much, much more. You know, not that I cook now or do lots of laundry, you know, but. Those are the kind of skills people learn, how to really um, not just time management, how you interact with people and all those social, emotional, foundational skills. I think that's just incredibly amazing that you pick up anyone, whether you have a disability label or not, Um, you know. In the personal interactions you have with other students. That's mm-hmm. fabulous.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, we we work really hard to try to, like you said, that people use the word inclusion, but then when you see it, it's like that doesn't really look like inclusion to me. Right. Um, it's really important to us at Think College that things be as authentic. As Deb said, that's where the learning occurs in those authentic relationships, and ability to. Trial and error, make some mistakes, um, learn from them, so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we work really hard with programs to um, help them to be as inclusive and as authentic as they possibly can be. And um, but there is a range, to be honest. Um, and we try to capture that in the listings we have on our our website, where you can learn about some of the college, all the college programs in the country. We do ask a question like how. Many classes do they take with other students with disabilities? How much time do they social time do they spend with other students with disability? Um, so we're trying to get give people an idea of how inclusive the programs are. But um, as Deb said, for the most part, you know that they are having an experience that is truly growth enhancing by being able to um, participate in classes with students without disabilities, live in the dorms, and and have those um, social experiences.
0: Yeah. And you've got a number of different programs and opportunities, right? And it's not all based in Massachusetts.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. Massachusetts has uh, the Massachusetts Inclusive Concurrent Enrollment Initiative that's focused on students who are still in high school and their transition services are delivered Um, to them in college. And to complicate it even more, Massachusetts is just passing uh, another law that would uh, allow students beyond the age of 22 to continue their education in college if they so choose. I don't want to go into that right now. It's it's much more complicated, um, but it's fabulous. That's We've been working on that piece of legislation for quite some time. That's but great. The majority of programs are typically students have exited high school and are considered adults.
0: Well, I think one of the most awesome things about your website that I wanted to point out is that you do have this directory, which I think is one of a kind, right? You're the only ones that have a directory of college programs for students with disabilities. Am I right about that?
1: But, but national in scope, yes. Yep. that That's amazing. There so, are some states like New York might have one. Um, a couple states have a website that have their own state in what programs are available, but we're the only national database uh, uh, directory of programs.
0: Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that something like that would get built? I mean, that's incredible. Um,
2: and you're doing something with leadership too, right? Did I read something? Yes. Really, we really, we really, yeah, we, we're really excited about what we call Think College Policy Advocates because, as I said, um, one of our main goals is to make sure that people understand that college is an option, that they ought to be planning for it, um, and we hope that more and more colleges will open programs like, like these. So we, um, each year, we've been doing this now for, I think this is our fourth time of sponsoring um, a young adult with disability that's attending a college program or is an alumni of a college program, a- along with a staff person who works in a college program, they can apply to become um, our policy advocates for each year. So we do it annually. And then they, they're they able to attend training and they go to Washington, D.C. and are supported. Um, they, they get some preparation and then they go and visit with their um, legislators on the Hill uh, from their state, and they talked to them. Um, of course, it's been a minute since we've been able to do it in Washington D.C. Yeah. But when Debra went, and that's all. Let I'll stop talking. Let her talk about it in a second. But they went to D.C. They all had buttons that said um, "Ask me about college" um, that they were wearing, and then they met with their legislators. And really advocated and informed and um, advocated for um, support for programs like this, and just to inform them that the that the federal the what the, the funding that is provided currently and what kind of impact it's making. So it's a really cool program. And then we we keep in touch with those teams um, after they go through their their year long training. We also continue to keep in touch with them. Uh, support them in, in additional advocacy at the state level and so forth so it's it's really really it's it's one of our our favorite projects that we do
0: that that is really cool i think that leadership training is so important for mm-hmm. self advocacy and it's one of the skills that um is a surefire way to make sure that somebody is going to be successful in their person-centered plan. So um, I wanted to ask about entrepreneurship. So I'm a huge fan of entrepreneurship and um the you mentioned the the job, um, the employment rates, and that your employment rates are so much higher than the national average and even our state average, which is awesome. But entrepreneurship has been a way um, around the lack of employment or I should say not just employment, but also underemployment for people Mm -hmm. with disabilities and and especially youth with disabilities, because even though there are jobs out there, most of them are really um, underemployment or underemploying people at the skill level that they can it can really do. I mean, it's mostly, you know, come and collect the carriages at the supermarket or, you know, um, work at the movie theater or it's the type of jobs that the, you know, the Rehab Commission has available. And, you know, that it's the same square We're peg.
1: seeing a departure from that. The yeah, talk news. to
0: me about that. And it's,
1: it's not enough. We want more. But we're seeing jobs like working on an oil rig. I mean, things like that, Uh, or in a health club, uh, all kinds of uh, instructional assistance in early childhood programs, a a real departure from the the traditional food, filth, flour, filing type of jobs that are offered to these students. Um, So it's we're not. Don't mistake what I'm saying, we're not, I'm not trying to misrepresent. But we're starting to see a crack in those type of job offerings and to much more uh, choice based and uh, goal based for the individual. And certainly better. There is, a, there is a really cool entrepreneurship story uh, from a kid that
2: I know that I actually, even though I work for UMass Boston, I live in North Carolina. And um there's a program here in the western part of the state where a few years ago a young man with Down syndrome attended the program, had an apprenticeship and an internship um, at a local barbecue place. And you know we love our barbecue in North Carolina. Yeah. So uh, he learned the the ropes there at during his college experience and during that internship. And when he graduated from college, he he started his own barbecue sauce company, um, and it's and it's really successful. And so he did. He took a combination of you know he did because these programs really do provide the reason we have these employment outcomes is because they're they're focused on employment outcomes from the beginning. Making sure students have employment opportunities during while they're in school, um, primarily and hopefully paid employment opportunities, but also internships to explore different areas. Then taking courses. So he took business courses and taught him a little bit about how to run the business and then had the the internship with the uh, barbecue uh, restaurant. So there there's a package, if you will, that's put together in these programs that that does a combination of internship work experiences, and classes, and, and is really based on a person-centered plan around what is it that you're interested in, rather than trying to sort of say, take an assessment of somebody's skills, and then for, you know push them towards one thing or another that they think the kid is capable of, but instead, it's like, what's your dream job, and what would you like to do? Um, so, that's, I think, what's cracking that ceiling that Deborah was talking about. I
0: love about. that. I love that. And I love that we keep talking about a person-centered plan in its truest meaning of the word because most people really can't see their way around you know, making that happen. Um, we, we struggle so much with that. Do you help people figure out the financing piece of all of this as well?
1: Well, part of the Higher Education Opportunities Act of 2008 contained in it Um, provisions around students with intellectual disability being eligible for federal financial aid. And that has taken some time to really um, take off. I'm not sure that's the to really get the word out that this is available um, to students who attend an approved comprehensive transition program. And, Kate, how many are there now? A hundred? Yeah, over a hundred. There are not enough, but it it makes students with intellectual disabilities eligible if their family uh, is eligible under the requirements of federal financial aid. It's no different than any other student.
2: And what that means is that you don't, even if you don't have a regular high school diploma, or you're not matriculating towards a degree, you, which previously would have excluded you from federal student yes. aid. Yeah. But now those students who maybe have an IEP diploma or a non-standard diploma of some kind, or are taking auditing classes and things like that? They can still get financial aid. Those are important um, points to remember because that really is all the difference.
0: That is so important because so many students have really been left out of that equation, and only the wealthiest of families could afford to pay right. fifty thousand dollars
2: a year for these transition programs. Right. Well, we and I uh, coming up, we do a series of um, webinars and other training events out of Think College and. In a couple of months, um, in May, seems like it'll seems like a while away, but it'll come up right away. Oh, it'll come up Uh, on us like that. (laughs) So in May, I don't remember exactly the date, but um, on our website, we always highlight our events, and I'm going to be doing a webinar on how on paying for college because that really is a huge question that all families and students have, and of course, whether you have a disability or not, that's a huge question when you're considering going off to college. Um, but we'll uh, be highlighting the federal financial aid, um, ex- you know, that is more accessible and how to fix that. But also taking a look at some of the other resources that might be available that that um, can help pay for college. Okay, like vocational rehabilitation funds or Medicaid funds. Sometimes mm-hmm. the hard part when you're trying to talk about it is that every case is different, every situation. There's no there's no one size fits all answer. But what we'll do in this webinar and what we do in our resources that we share on our website, we have a page on our website called Paying for College that shares a lot of resources and Mm -hmm. has some FAQs that people can read. We talk about saving in an ABLE account and how that can play into it as part of the solution. So while there isn't, um, unfortunately, a magic answer, um, college does cost money and you do have to sometimes... Um, cobble different resources together, we at least try to give people an idea of all the different resources that are available. And I'll tell you, on the, going back to that family's Facebook page, they talk about this a lot. How are you guys paying for it? And they're sharing resources with each other, um, scholarship programs that they're aware of, and different things that, that their family has tried uh, and utilized to help pay for college. So um, it's definitely uh, an important conversation.
0: Always good to talk with other families and find out what people are doing. It's great yep. to know. Um, I think, you know, as we are kind of winding down our conversation today, I'd love to give people a starting point and some really good tips to get going. And of course, I want everybody to go to your website, thinkcollege.net, not com, .net. <laughs> um, Right. Because there's so much good information there and it's not just for Massachusetts, it's for all over the country, for sure, and it's a really good starting point. But if you were to give some advice to a student who's searching or a family member, caregiver who is looking for their student, what would be your number one or two tips to really get people started out on the right foot?
1: I, from my perspective, it depends on where the student is at uh, in terms of their age and um, going through the K 12 system. I mean, if the college, the expectation of college is there both for the student and the family and the K 12 system, that's part of it. a big part of um, the challenge is making sure that um that that's available as an expectation for this student population and then what courses are given that that so if a student's interested in going to college the financial aspect of it needs to be addressed earlier on than later because certainly if you're going to open an able account and do those kinds of planning it's important but the academic component if students with intellectual disabilities traditionally, and I'm gonna paint with a broad brush, are wholesale guided into, or forced into substantially separate programs when they're in middle school, and most often certainly by the time they get to high school and they're not in authentic academic courses. So right there, they're not gonna be prepared or as prepared as someone, a student who's participating. So K-12 needs to do a better job. Big I time. So.
0: Thinking about college starts early.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And not giving up on academics starts early.
1: This That's whole clear. thing about life skills in, I mean, yeah. they're yeah. important. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at all. But that shouldn't be the priority. When you're kindergarten in middle school, school? yes, thank you. That's right. That's right. It's not an either or,
2: right?
0: Thank you, Deborah. That's really great advice, Kate. What What do you think? What What would you
2: put out there? I do think that um, an attitude of um, of that it's possible is really really important. So many families have said to me, you know, they would go to their high school and say, uh, you know, well, of course, John's going to college, um, you know, when the kid was in the fourth grade Um, and it was just always an expectation and always expecting that just like they do for other students that, that, that that school owed that kid preparation for that, for that college experience. So that can be very, very powerful. Um, And it really, you know, it's, but I, sometimes I worry because starting early is obviously good advice, really strong advice and can make a difference. But I don't want families who might be listening to this today think, well, my kid's 17 years old and I'd never heard of this before. Uh, it's it's also not too late. I don't want people to feel discouraged if they didn't have the opportunity to start early. Um oh, good. That they can uh, you know, take whatever's left of their of the, you know, if they have a year left in high school. But um to to, take advantage of their IEP with some goals that have to do with preparing to to be more independent in college, and also to um, reach out to college programs, start looking at their websites, looking at their, um, you know, how they operate and what their expectations of students are. Start working on that stuff at home. Right. uh, Going to open houses um, and learning about, um, exactly what is being expected of kids. So even if you, if you learn of this late and that there's so many families who just have never, because unfortunately um, their school doesn't tell them or, or may not even be aware that it's an option. Right. So right. prepare early if you can, but don't give up if you didn't have that chance because many, many, many students who are going off to these college programs um, are in that same boat but talking to the college programs about what their um, expectations are. And um, there are some summer programs that, that are starting to crop up. There's a, I don't know, there's a lot of them, but there are several around the country that sort of give a taste of college. Um, And we do have some other resources on, um, again, on our website where we have a page about preparing for college that talks about how to use your IEP to better prepare for college, experiences, nice. and things that families can do inside their own family. What can you do to help your kid get ready for college? So, um, Great. That's yeah. great.
0: I love that. I'm going to need to look at that. I don't remember seeing that, how to use your IEP to prepare for college.
2: I love a tip like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it brings it, it brings it to a concrete place. You know, when you're writing that IEP, that you have goals that are. That's what they're geared towards, right? So. And when you get that, you know,
0: kind of hairy eyeball from your team at school, <laughs> right. and they're like, "College for Johnny? Mm, I don't think right. so." You know, and you're like, "Well, that's let right. me tell you how we can, you know, write this goal so that it can." Work towards college. Mm -hmm. Sometimes all it takes is you being the one who presents them with the goal. And if they don't have to do the work, I don't mean to say that they're lazy. They're not. They just don't have the creativity to really be able to come up with it. And, you know, they don't always see your kid the way that you see your kid. Everybody has a different perspective. Sometimes that's great their perspective is very helpful, you know, but your perspective is helpful as well. And so being able to come to the table with that input and that, you know, potential goal. Is so, mm-hmm. helpful. so I always found coming to the table with a solution was almost always welcomed. Not always, yes. almost always. Welcomed. <laughs> almost almost, always. Always. almost yeah. always. If it wasn't going to cost too much. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that that's a great tip. Okay, any last things that we need to tell our families and our self-advocates out there before we sign off for today? Because I'm, as usual, talking too much and running really long in my programs. <laughs> I love this topic, though.
1: Don't take no for an answer.
0: All right. I love that. And if you don't know, you can't go. That was an amazing quote. I love it, Deborah. That's awesome. If you don't know, you can't go. That is so true about just about everything in life. Knowledge is power. That's why I do this podcast. And, you know, I started out on this journey a while back to get out from behind my desk and out from out of the courtroom to make sure that we are spreading information and love for everybody. So, um, let's keep Perfect. doing that. And we want everybody to go to thinkcollege.net because there is an amazing, amazing group of resources there for everybody. We'll have actually some contact
1: our helpline. If you want to talk to a human person and get mm-hmm. more assistance, um thinkcollege. What is it, Kate? Think college, Think at, college ta at gmail.com is our help desk.
2: Nice. Yep. That's great. Um, so I
0: can't thank you ladies enough. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. really for fun. Thank you show. for having us. I hope you get lots and lots of referrals from this <laughs> because I want to send <laughs> everybody to you. I want everybody to go to college. Thank Excellent. you so much. Thank, well, I'm, you really thank
2: you so much for doing your part to raise awareness. It's so important. Thank you so much, Annette.
0: I love it. I love what you're doing. Thank you.
1: Thanks a lot. Thank Bye-bye. Good Bye, night. <laughs>
0: bye-bye hey everybody thanks for tuning in i just wanted to take a second to say how much i appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts i'm having a blast doing them and i hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping if you are please take a second to leave a rating and a review it's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it thank you so much